0: We are back for another episode of the Andrew Luck Book Club podcast, and I am thrilled to be joined by Cy si Montgomery, the author of the New York Times bestseller and many, many other books, but the most recent one, The Soul of an Octopus A Surprising Exploration into the Wonder of Consciousness. Thank you. Thank you so much for writing this book and joining this podcast, Cy. Si.
1: Oh, I am thrilled to be on.
0: Sweet. So, so I, I'm wondering. My, my first sort of question is: You've obviously written a ton about animals and our Earth and in all our friends in this Earth. And I think you published this in 2015. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And and why octopuses? Because so, was it just time time to get to the octopus?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, sort of. Um, all of my other books, with with just a couple of exceptions, are about land-living terrestrial vertebrate animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did write a book about pink dolphins who live in the Amazon, and I did write a book for kids in the Scientists in the Field series about tarantulas, but everybody else, pretty much, is a land-dwelling bird or mammal. Yet, most of the creatures who are alive on this Earth, most of the animals Mm -hmm. on the planet actually live in the sea, because most of the planet is, in fact, ocean. And so... I was calling myself a naturalist, but really didn't even know our planet at all. Yeah. So I wanted to meet somebody who belonged to that huge class mm-hmm. of animals that comprises most of us on Earth. And I figured if I was going to have a meeting of the minds with somebody like that, it was going to have to be an octopus.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's it's the the depth to which you go in and describing it, and then the 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 depth to which an octopus's mind has really, really, to me, becomes evident uh, as as you read the book. And, and what what surprised you most about about writing, uh, and and I guess ri- not writing, but but your relationships with, with with the octopuses.
1: Well, I was very surprised the very first time I actually met an octopus. Mm-hmm. The first time that someone lifted the lid on the yep. tank, and I had a chance. To look the animal in the eye through the water and not through a pane of glass.
0: And this is I and was, this is Athena, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, I, I was surprised very much by the intensity of the connection. She looked me right in the face. She turned bright red with emotion. Clearly, she yeah. was excited, and she moved over toward me to greet me. And soon. Her arms and the beautiful white suckers, of which there's
2: 200
1: yeah. on each arm, came boiling up out of the water, reaching toward me. And, of course, I plunged my hands and arms right yeah. into the water to touch her. And we were just reaching for each other across this divide that separates us. You know, I'm a creature breathing air living on the land and filled with bones, and she's this almost gelatinous being who lives in the water and has a whole different way of sensing the world, and yet we were so curious about
0: each other, and
1: I could feel that.
0: Well I, well, I very much admire your curiosity. I think I'd be a little more like your friend Jody Simpson, who you <laughs> you referenced early in the book. You know. Aren't they monsters? They're, they're <laughs> octopuses. They, they they look so different from us, and it's really – I know the, the first couple of pages in, you, in, in your writing about, and they can weigh as much as a man, stretch as long as a car, yet – pour into a uh, opening the size of an orange just just that that imagery to me is fascinating and then and then uh, again sort of the depth of what their minds and their suckers and how um how sensitive they are uh to everything uh to emotion almost right you 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 felt you feel that i think
1: Absolutely. And the cool thing is that while I was experiencing, I got to know, as you know from reading the book, I got to know several octopuses well enough Mm -hmm. to call them friends. I mean, they clearly recognized me. They clearly enjoyed my company. And I knew for a fact that I wasn't just making this up or projecting it onto them because scientists have done experiments Mm -hmm. that show that individual octopuses do recognize individual humans just looking up at them through the water and Feel different things about different individual humans, and will mm-hmm. move towards those they like and away from those they don't. So, you know, I I, I was using my my heart and my intuition and my emotions as a, as a tool of inquiry, but I also had all of this good scientific data to kind of bounce that off yeah. to make sure that I wasn't just making this up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I imagine too, and this was actually a question I had, and it's sort of the the subtlety, and you write about it where I think in terms of of Jane Goodall and her studies uh, in Africa, um, and about the, the 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 humanizing and the sort of perception of maybe anthropomorphizing things, and and sort of how you maybe have to walk a, a fine line when you're when you're writing about uh, another animal, uh, and it right. and it sounds like you one you. You write what you feel, I, I assume so. And and, and is that sorta of how you approach it?
1: Yeah, I I look at it this way. Um one, it's it's very easy to project your feelings onto someone else, even if that other person is even your own child or your own spouse. I mean, yeah. how many times have you gotten a a a present for your kid or your best friend and they Mm -hmm. do not like it or you ask someone out for a date and they like, don't want to go, well, I'm sure that doesn't (laughs) have (laughs) a Well,
0: My my girlfriend stood me up a bunch of times.
1: (laughs) It's it's so easy to make that mistake. And so it's even more, um, more easy to make Mm -hmm. it with an animal, particularly one that's separated from us evolutionarily by half a billion years. But to assume that animals do not have thoughts and feelings is like, insane, because we all come from a common ancestor. Yep. We share, you know, 90% of our genetic material with every mammal on Earth, 99% yeah. with a chimp. Well, you could get a blood transfusion from a chimp. But even with a banana, we share more than 40% of our genetic material. Yeah. So surely another animal is going to have some thoughts and feelings, because evolution has found that thoughts and feelings help you survive. We know that just from surviving in the world. If you couldn't think, there's a whole lot of stuff
2: that you couldn't
1: do that wouldn't let you live from day to day, that wouldn't let you find a mate or escape danger. And a lot of our emotions, you can actually measure the amount of certain neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. in the blood that accompany certain feelings. And we find that those neurotransmitters such as oxytocin, which is a, a bonding neurotransmitter, yep, it's called the cuddle hormone. Um, you can measure that in our blood, and it spikes when we're with our children, when we're with our pets, mm-hmm. when we're with our mates. And this is found in all mammals, and it's also found in octopuses. In octopuses yeah. it's a slightly different molecule. It's called yeah. cephalotocin, but it is pretty much the identical hormone so you know mm -hmm. i think while it is dangerous to assume someone else is thinking the same thing that you are it's even more dangerous to think that they aren't thinking at all yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and i i love your your final how you write about it uh, your final interaction with octavia uh and 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 how she 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 Remembered you. This is, this is the, the beautiful old lady remembering you, recognizing you, and coming back to touch you again. Uh, so the, the depth of that must have been amazing.
1: It really was to have somebody care about me that much that even when she was old and sick and weeks from death, mm-hmm. that she came up to the to the surface. To greet me. She did not want the fish I offered her. She dropped it. She came up to greet me. And because they can taste with all of their bodies, including their eyelids, she also was going to taste me. They experience us in a way that no one has experienced us before, they know us in a way that no one's known us before. I mean, even if a human starts tasting you, they can't really tell a lot about you. <laughs> but with these octopuses, I mean, yeah. well, that's the thing. If a human started tasting me the minute I met them, I'd be very alarmed. But when a theta <laughs> first came up to taste me, I'm like, yeah. wow, this is so cool.
0: Yeah, it, it really is cool, and. and so on a lighter note, from Octavia, I, I, the the hosing down of of, of certain people and, and the the story of the girl, the the intern at, at one of the aquariums, I think it was the Seattle Aquarium, that went off, you know, would get hosed every day by the octopus. Yeah, that,
1: actually, that has happened in a number
0: of. Years, <laughs> and then went, 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 went a, 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 yeah, and then went away for a year and came back and immediately was hosed again I uh, know. by the octopus. And you know
1: what's so cool about that too is like not only that the octopus. Um, still felt that way about her. I mean, he, he may have felt, um, that Sometimes they hose things they don't like. Yeah. Um, or, like or it might be plow, play. get that out of there. Sometimes yeah. they, they, they do it because they're, like, splashing you like a yeah. naughty boy in the swimming pool <laughs> and they're playing with you. Um, yeah. But the, the amazing thing about that is that a year is a long time in an octopus's life. It's, yeah. uh, an I octopus mean, only lives, a giant Pacific only lives three to five years. Well, so if, you if you know, that octopus hadn't seen her in a year, yeah. that was like a, a third year of, a of her life, maybe. Yeah. that animal's life. Yeah. And yet the octopus really Remembered that individual and still felt the same way about them. It's
0: really pretty amazing. That that really, really, really have to play.
1: I mean, that's the thing. Um, They use their jets sometimes because they think it's hilarious to to blast you in the Mm -hmm. face. But they also will use them like to bounce balls. Essentially, they'll they'll they'll
0: they'll around around a tank or something.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just like a a kid bouncing a basketball or something. uh, against uh, a wall.
0: It sounds sounds like what I do growing up and still do. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's
0: right.
1: I, they steal things from yeah, you, play so pranks funny. on you, and they're they're hilarious.
0: That really that really is funny. And i'll be, I'll be I'll be completely honest. Probably the only octopus I paid attention to in my whole life was was Paul the octopus who used to pick the World Cup uh, soccer team winners. That's right. I think. I think in he 2010, was 100% yeah, he was somehow, some way, and it was, he had to. He would open a box. I think with the the flags of each team. There are two boxes. The flags of each team and he, in the box, right, yeah. and, a, and a toy or, or or a snack in the box. And always, he seemed to pick the right one. He picked Germany winning. Uh, I, I know, one of them, totally
1: right? did. And I know there were a lot of jokes about calamari from the losing <laughs> team. But, um, we- had long discussions about that with all the octopus experts when I went to the octopus symposium. Yeah. And you know how did he do it? I mean, we just dis- we discussed every possibility, including the possibility that somehow he really <laughs> did have the ESP knowledge to yeah. do that.
0: That's that. That's funny. So, so for those who haven't read the book, Sy, uh, you spent a lot of time in the New England Aquarium, right? And that was sort of most of your your interaction uh, with, with with the octopuses. And and at the end of your story, you write about how they uh, built a new Uh, Exhibit for the octopuses. Is that correct? Yeah. And and how and and what's what's the what's since then? How has that gone?
1: Oh my gosh! Well, they've made a much bigger tank, two Mm -hmm. tanks. In fact, they have two adult female octopuses in residence right now. Giant Mm -hmm. Pacific octopuses. And one of them is
0: named Psy. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) That's wicked cool. (laughs) Wonderful.
1: And she's a a sweetheart. And I met her shortly after she arrived. And she came right over and we interacted. And she was one of the most interactive octopuses that we have had. But this just in, last Wednesday, I went in to see her. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to come over. And I looked on the glass. And I found she'd begun to lay her eggs. There you go. Yeah. So once they lay eggs they don't want anything yeah. to do with you. They're too busy attending Protecting, to their eggs. Yeah. And just like octavia, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Um unfortunately they're not fertile. They're mm-hmm. just like the eggs you have, you know, yep. in the refrigerator. But she doesn't know they're infertile and she'll lay like a hundred thousand of these yeah. and she will spend the rest of her life tending to those eggs. And yeah. a wild octopus would not even eat ever again she wow. would not leave her lair she would just stay there attending to those eggs fluffing them guarding them cleaning yeah. them until she died usually six months later and use her her last breath essentially to blow the tiny hatchlings who yeah. are called power larvae out of the lair help them out of their little yeah. eggs and then they become part of the floating plankton that keeps the world alive
0: yeah that's beautiful that's uh, that's beautiful and and with the new tank, there's also a, a, a holding tank for a new octopus, right? To to help interact with the, with the current octopus. Is that correct, or, or am I am I reading well, that there's wrong? A
1: tank, there's a tank in back of the main, yeah. uh, back of the front tank, but you can still see it.
0: Oh, okay, um, so it's still yeah. sort of part of the exhibit.
1: Yeah. So so visitors can see everything that's going on. Um, what we had when I was writing the book, mm-hmm. it was funny when we're writing the book, um, the the whole aquarium was undergoing this huge transformation. They were redoing the giant ocean tank, which is the central pillar of the whole aquarium. And because of this, fish were all over the place. (laughs) They, They had to move out of the central tank, where all of all of these tropical fish normally live, and they were in the penguin tray, and the penguins went off to this other place and there was no space for anything and so we had an octopus in waiting kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm. um kind of waiting for the older octopus yep. um who for most of the book was octavia yep. to to essentially. Live out her life, and once she was dead, we would have another octopus to go on on display so while Octavia was tending her eggs, there was a young pup octopus growing up behind the scenes who we got to know, and her name was Colleen. Yep, she was living in a barrel and that's <laughs> probably what you you're thinking of. We would unscrew the top yep. of the barrel and she would just come up like the foaming head on a beer <laughs> <laughs>
2: play with
1: us yeah. and she she trained us too it was it was great she yeah wanted to be fed first thing a lot of times they they want to play with you and then eat a little and then play with you she wanted her fish right away and then she'd play with you and if you didn't hand over the fish she'd blast you in the face with salt water but the minute you handed over the fish she would want to play and she'd try to get out of her tank and you'd be like peeling off her suckers and she was such a sweetheart she was so much fun to be with
0: that, that, that it really is cool. But I, can't, I can imagine living in a barrel you want to get out at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, they all want to get out. And they want to get out, I mean, for the same reason that the astronauts wanted to go into outer space. I mean, it's not it's not so much that, gee, I can't make it here That's, on Earth. or it's really
2: What's, crummy what's in out there? I don't like
1: my planet. They want to explore. Yeah. They're, they're just curious animals. And um, <laughs> they're famous for crawling out of their tank, which is yep. why some... every octopus tank has, like, an octopus-proof lid. Yeah. And if there's the tiniest
0: hole, yeah. they'll
1: squeeze out of it.
0: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it, it doesn't always end up well if they get out of the tank, and that's that can be the problem. Yes, exactly. It it can
1: be very bad because they they really do need to be in the water. Mm -hmm. They can be out of the water. Even in the wild, Mm -hmm. they will actually crawl out of the water sometimes Mm and explore between tide pools, and then they'll go back in. And I've heard all kinds of stories of people who had pet octopuses who would get out, crawl around, find stuff. Grab it bring and it. bring it back to their <laughs> tank, like they wanted mm. your chatchka. They wanted it. <laughs> there outside of there. Mm. It's just wild. You hear about them like getting loose on on ships and being discovered in the the teapot and the yeah. captain's quarters, and yeah. they're just the most amazing mm. animals. And there's a great video you can you can see yeah. of an octopus who's been brought on the deck of a ship, and it just slinks through this little hole and escapes yeah. and it's it's filmed and he's squeezing out of this tiny space and just vanishes
0: it's yeah so cool well, that's awesome that's awesome well, well, well i want to flip gears from the tanks and go into into your diving because i really admire your, your fearlessness and your spirit with with the scuba diving and learning it uh i'm <laughs> i'm terrified i'm well, not terrified but i uh, snorkeling is okay for me, and then once uh, anything water I can't see the bottom, I get a little bit, you uh, get a little bit nervous. But but you really That's powered through, human. you really powered <laughs> through some things, and it and it seemed worth it in the end.
1: Oh my gosh, yes! You know, um, I I'm I wasn't well. I was I was the oldest person in my my first scuba class, and I just felt like this middle-aged lump. I mean, everybody else in scuba class was this yeah. young, lively person, and almost everyone had had previous scuba experience, but not me. So I just felt like I was a great big spaz. But I loved it so much that it actually was causing me a problem. I was getting a leak around my regulator, yeah. and water was coming in, and I later found out the reason was that I was smiling. So I didn't have a good grip <laughs> yeah. on the regulator. But the other problem I had was my my ears were were sensitive, and yeah. if I if I sank too fast or rose too fast, I got horrendous pain in my ears, and it it, it takes a certain amount of knowing what you're doing, which I didn't have because I was such a, a rookie, mm-hmm. to to be able to to handle that. Yeah. But you know, look was what what. My prize was going to be if I yeah. could master this. I could get into the realm where my friends Octavia and Kali and Athena lived. Ooh. I could begin to experience a little bit of what their lives really were like and breathe underwater. And so it was so worth it to be able to do it. It was it was like a waking dream being underwater. And really? To breathe underwater. And the stuff that you see, yeah. as, as you know from the, the, your previous trip, you were telling me that you were just at Australia's famous Barrier Reef. Mm-hmm. The, the stuff that you see just seems impossible. These amazing colors and shapes and animals that look like rocks yep. and plants that, that look like animals and animals that look like plants. It's it's unbelievable and, and Dozens, hundreds of wild animals that will get within inches of your face, which you don't yeah. see when you're on, shore.
0: <laughs> yeah. on shore. Yeah, no, it, I, yeah. I, I felt it felt otherworldly. I do remember that. Even even just snorkeling around uh, felt yeah. felt otherworldly. And 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 you write uh, sort of intensely about your experience in Cozumel, uh, and and almost the, going through pain to 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 go and see your friends
1: oh yeah right. well it was it was so it was so worth it. I did have a little bit of pressure issues with my ears, but man, I was going to do anything yeah. and um, the time that you're allegedly that you see the most octopuses in in Cozumel is on the night dive,
2: Yep, yep. That's and right on the night
1: mm-hmm. dive, oh my gosh. I mean, a lot of people won't it's It's really, really cool to do but if if you're fearful of breathing underwater, breathing underwater in the dark is going to be even scarier. <laughs> and
2: if you're breathing
1: underwater in the dark yeah. and you lose your group, that's even more unpleasant. Yep. And if you then have ear pain while well, that's happening. But, you know, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was really so focused on my chance yep. to see a wild octopus. Yep. And I was rewarded again yep. and again. I was with the best diving group. Yep. And I saw stuff. This is the thing. Every time you dive – probably every time you snorkel, there's a chance that you will see something that no one ever in the history of the world
2: has yes. seen before. Yeah.
1: And this happened to me. I saw a, a an octopus who appeared to have amassed a crab ranch.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: They eat crabs. And he had, or she, I couldn't see the third right arm, but yeah. I didn't know the sex. But this animal had amassed a whole bunch of crabs. And they were all it was as if he had a herd of sheep. Um and every once in a while one would try to escape, which I mean I'd be like trying to get out of there with my yeah. desk. <laughs> yeah. And every time someone would try to crawl away, the octopus would kind of reach out some arms and, and, and gently tug it back. back. <laughs> I know. I was just wild, like what was going on yeah. there? Wild. And and I don't know anyone who's ever seen that.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's fascinating. So Cozumel and, and Maria and have you done any dives since since then? Uh, yeah, actually. To, to see, and I, seen any octopuses? You would
1: love this. I got to dive. It was a cage dive in order to see great white sharks.
0: Okay, well.
1: I, I did a book called The Great White Shark Scientist for scientists in the field yeah. for young people. And um, I I got to hang out with uh, Greg Skomel, who's the great white shark biologist mm-hmm. here off the Cape of Cape Cod, in Massachusetts, but to get up close and personal with them, I and mean, we could see them right by Greg's boat, I mean, and he was radio uh, radio tracking them and tagging them and stuff. But I wanted to be in the water, yeah. clear blue water, to see yeah. them. And, and in the Cape, it's really green, and it's difficult to see. So with photographer Keith Ellenbogen, we went out to Guadalupe off Mexico and got into Cage, and the the great whites would come right up to you and look you right in the face. It was wonderful, Yeah. and it, not scary at all either. I might add i mean it, if anything, it was a peaceful,
0: tranquil feeling that's cool that, that's yeah. cool that, that's different than I would expect I and mean, yeah, I, uh, I think uh, I, need, I think I need to dive now that might, I might think be on the bucket do. list <laughs>
2: i'll go with you
0: yeah awesome that that would that would be really cool. That would be really cool. Um, on the bottom right of every page in your book, you have a little like a like an uh, what we used to draw in class—a little flip story uh, with pictures okay. of octopus. What was the what was the? I've never seen that before in a book. I think it's really really cool. My mom thought it was the coolest thing uh, as well. What what was the inspiration yeah, behind yeah, that?
1: You can make the octopus move, and that wasn't my idea. It was the designer's idea. Oh, the designer so of the cool. book. It's yeah. really great. I hope that people realize what it's doing.
0: I, 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 I honestly did not. I did not know what it was. I thought it was the same picture on each page. And then I'd, I obviously didn't look close enough. And then my mom and, and girlfriend both, <laughs> both brought it up and said, oh, look at this. This is, this is really neat. So I, I think that's, that's very fun very fun. Oh,
1: I love I I love it. I think it's great. And it, it does move just like an octopus will move because these yeah. are, you know, the, the individual frames yeah. essentially of an octopus movie that you have right there in your book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's wicked. That's cool. And uh can you tell us what what you're writing about next? I uh, assume it's 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 deals with some animal. Uh, Or what what you've just finished? I've
1: I've got a new book coming out in July, which is also aquatic, and it takes place in the Amazon. And it's a book for um, readers and the scientists in the field series called Amazon Adventure. It's about the little, beautiful, tiny fish who live wild in the Amazon River and who are the same species that most people who keep fish in their homes have. And how these little fish can be saving the amazon oh um, but i 'm also i mean gosh last year I went to Africa twice oh. and i 'm working on two africa uh, books, one on hyenas um, the other on the wildebeest migration
0: oh i yeah. I, I remember watching the, the the national geographic programs on on the big wildebeest migrations
1: yeah they are the greatest antelopes, and they are so. Unusual. My my husband likes to tease my, my one of my best friends is the world's top expert on the wildebeest. Okay. He's eighty eight years old. His name is Richard D. Estes. All right. And he teases him about the, the uh wildebeest saying, Ah, oh, they're just the styrofoam packing of Africa because they're so <laughs> numerous. <laughs> But, you know, being so numerous is because they're so successful. Yeah. And their migration is what shapes the whole Serengeti ecosystem. Yeah. What we think of as wild Africa was created and is maintained by the wildebeest migration.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that, 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 that sounds fascinating. And, and while on the subject of books, and you can recommend your own books as well, but I, I would love to to ask, we've been doing this with every podcast, for ask for a recommendation or two. Uh, for for a kids book or a readers of or young readers of all ages as as, as a former guest said and then also a, a veteran book or a, an adult book uh, if you will
1: Well yeah absolutely Well you know I'm just loving this book by Misha Merrick Blaze called This Phenomenal Life Okay and it's a A book, and every page has a really cool illustration and an amazing fact on it. For instance, um, I'm just opening this up about inebriated birds slur their words just like humans. (laughs) In a research study, drunken zebra finches lost their typical strong uh, structure and slurred their notes. And this is when they will will eat, like, fermented berries by me. Yeah. I mean, there's hilarious no, fascinating funny. things like this. But there's populations of microbes that squat on our pillows. There's like a million fungi spores that nestle up to you at night when you sleep. It's about this amazing world around you yeah. and, you know, how we're connected with the rainforest and its oxygen and, and, and water and and how smart animals are around. It's just this whole universe. I, I really recommend it to, to every every kid, and yeah. it's great for adults, too. And for the veteran book, I would love to recommend, well, actually my favorite book of the last couple of years is um, a book by my husband. Oh, great. And it's called Dwelling in Possibility. And it's about what makes us feel at home and comfortable in some places and what makes us feel odd and ill at ease at others. It's a whole series of stories, essays, that my husband researched part of the time when he was working as a census worker and got to go into people's houses, yeah. part of the time when we had an ice storm and we – for something like 10 days we had no electricity and no heat and the old our house is 150 years old and the like the old life of our house Fun. reasserted itself with yeah. our hearth because we have a, a, mm-hmm. a wood stove yeah. and so it's all of these things that, that we we look at that makes us feel at home and because i travel so much for my work home matters very deeply to me yeah and um i i loved that book and uh, I'd love to share it with every person I know.
0: Awesome. Well, well thank you for that and thank you for everybody who listened. If you haven't read it yet, The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. It's f- fascinating, fantastic, and it, it certainly opened my eyes and, and uh certainly look look at octopuses and not octopus octopus octopuses as a, as you learn very quickly in the book. Uh but a certain look at the ocean and octopus is different. And thank you so much for joining. We really, really appreciate it, Cy. Si.
1: Oh, thanks. I had a blast with you. Thank you.